Hello, GM, GM, and welcome to another episode of the Den NFT Artist Society. I'm your host, Meta David. I just got back from the NFT NYC, and boy, what a week it was. I was fortunate enough to meet up with several friends and even meet some of you, fans of the show, which was just amazing. Unfortunately, I did lose my voice, so I might sound a little bit like Don Vito Corleone from The Godfather, but hey, I had a guest who made an offer who I couldn't refuse. On today's episode, we have the legendary and award-winning comic book writer Paul Jenkins. He's built a successful career at Marvel Comics writing for Spectacular Spider-Man, The Incredible Hulk, Wolverine Origin, Hellblazer, and more. He was even part of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Paul founded his own production company, Meta Studios, back in 2014 with a focus on creating nearly all forms of media from graphic novels and books to variable reality. He is a Web3 native who has deep knowledge of the space and has an upcoming project called Another Path. We talked about his project, blockchain's role in comics, comics' role in blockchain, and bigger Web3 issues. After our discussion, I'll do shout outs to everyone who minted the last episode of the podcast with Danny Yang, the CEO of MetaGood, which is the parent company of OnChain Monkey. But before we get to do all that, a word from our sponsors. Ledger is the smartest way to secure your crypto holdings. Its hardware wallets are trusted by over 4 million customers and secure, manage, and store over 1,800 crypto assets. Using the Ledger Live app, you will have a one-stop shop for your crypto needs. Buy, sell, exchange, and grow your assets with Ledger's partners easily and securely. Stop getting your wallet drained. Head over to ledger.metadavideth.com and take self-custody today. Have you ever wanted to display your NFT art in the physical world? Look no further than TokenFrame. TokenFrame's patented high-quality physical displays start at 10 inches and run all the way up to 55 inches. They're truly built for authenticity. Just sign in with your wallet, connect to Wi-Fi, and cast your NFTs. It's really that simple. No subscriptions. They support Ethereum, Polygon, and Solana with Tezos on the way soon. It's no wonder TokenFrame is trusted by OpenSea, SuperRare, Nifty Gateway, Known Origin. Start flexing your NFT art by visiting tokenframe.metadavideth.com today. Hey, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for making the time. So you're the first comic writer we've had on the pod. And I know that you're the chief creative officer of Meta Studios. And you've got an upcoming project coming up, which I think might be minting right now, which we can talk a little bit about later. But before we talk about all that, let's just talk about you. I know that you've had a really successful career in comics, uh, part of Marvel, some stuff with DC Comics, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So that's hearkening back to my childhood. Very cool. So let's just kind of kick it off with introdu- introducing you. Okay. You know, I've been obviously in the entertainment business for quite a long time. It's funny that a lot of people talk about me as if I am a comic book guy, obviously, because I'm I'm known for them um, and I've been around them for a long time. It wasn't what I intended to do. I was actually studying to be a filmmaker and an actor. Um, but I came to the States and met the guys who created the Ninja Turtles. And one of them, one of them remains one of my best friends even to this day. Um, so I was very, very young and I came in and the thing blew up. Um, we were in a small office in a, a town called Northampton in Massachusetts. Um, and from there, you know, after having had that success, I was lucky enough to be an editor um, for a bunch of comic work. But I, I was lucky to have like Alan Moore, who created V for Vendetta and um, 
um, Watchmen and so on, um, and Neil Gaiman and George Pratt, Dave McKean, some really amazing people. Um, so at one point I decided to strike out and try to break into comics as a writer. And I, I actually ended up doing it in the craziest way by uh, becoming a writer of Hellblazer. That was my first gig. And that is just unheard of. But, you know, if I can do it, anyone can. Uh, I went from there, you know, and so I've done a lot of comics. Obviously, I went to Marvel when they were in bankruptcy and rewrote a lot of their stuff and, and sort of helped bring them out. Um, but I'm also, uh, you know, I do a lot of game. I do film animation. I work across different media um and and you know i've always been interested in new media uh what is seen as new media if you'd have said new media in the early to mid 90s that would have been video games and so i did a lot of video game work and did a lot of innovation and storytelling and the big thing for me is you know i'm really about like telling stories across different media so that's what brings me here you might not like this too much, but uh, when you said earlier that uh, a lot of people think of you as a comic book guy um, at NFTNYC, which I was at over this week, um, I did meet someone who was in the comic book space, and I asked her if she knew of you uh, because you're an upcoming pod uh, podcast guest, and she looked at me kind of crazy, and she's like, of course I know Paul. <laughs> you know, like, what kind of question was that? And so, but yeah, it was a... a very cool to see that uh, recognition. So I know that you do stuff across different mediums um, and you have Meta Studios, uh, which Meta is such a broad term. Um, and I can say that as a guy named Meta David. What does Meta Studios exactly do? It seems like it's more than what we might think of as like traditionally metaverse type activities. Yeah, well, we were sort of Meta before Meta was, yeah. was the thing. Um, we've been around since 2014. Um and and you know there there were two reasons for it. It was it was both a sort of descriptive term and an acronym. Uh, the descriptive was just that I was into meta media, I, you know, like getting sort of an abstract overview of all of it because I move across different media. You know, I was really interested in in a company name that would would describe the way that I could move across different media and we could build uh, connecting different media, right? And especially new media. Um, so go back, you know, to 2014, that would have been virtual and augmented reality storytelling and things like that. And, um, you know, the other thing about it that's more important is that um, it's an acronym. It stands for Media, Education, Technology and Advancement. And that's what it was originally intended, you know, to sort of uh, put forward media because I do it. Um, education because I care about it. And I think it's important, you know, when you, you, you arrive where you are on the, on the shoulders of giants. Right. And, um, and you know, the people that hold, hold you up at the people, you know, you want to kind of honor that by help, helping other people technology, because that's what I was fundamentally interested in. I, I speak a lot of futurism conventions. I've done a lot of like teaching in that regard. Um, and advancement is all about the advancement of creatives and the creative community. And I think that that is interesting, especially in Web3, because that's the ethos of Web3. And so, you know, I guess we we came to the right place, you know? Yeah, and you picked a good name. I wasn't aware of it being also an acronym, but I guess it makes sense seeing that all the letters were in capital letters. Um, yeah. <laughs> it worked out pretty conveniently for you to uh, a few years later, it's definitely stand the test of time. And it's kind of taken on maybe an additional meaning as far as like your uh, initial purpose and mission goes. So, so you do have an upcoming product. I think actually it's minting right now, like a project going on. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's, it's minting and it's not minting. So we're trying to approach this in a way, um, you know, I have to go back a couple of years when, you know, I was working on a project called Bitcoin Origins. I was, I was caught up 
uh, by a friend of mine, Joe, Joe Sichter, who used to be the head of digital interactive over uh, labs over um, at Disney. And he said, what do you know about NFTs? And this is, you know, probably March, April of 2020, sometime mid 2020. And I said, I don't really know anything about it. And he said, I think, I think it's, you know, I've got a couple of guys, they want to do a project, I think it would work. Um, So I came in and worked on this Bitcoin origins project, right as the boom hit, and crypto was going crazy. Um, And we just we hit something, you know, the moment I looked at the space, I was like, I really like to adapt story to the place that you're going, right? So this space, it felt to me I could do like a lot of um, treasure hunts. It felt like I could do time travel storytelling. You could use mutable assets, things that assets that change. You could update them. Um, you know, I was really excited by by it, and I'm also excited by the fact that you know I've worked at big um, corporate places before. You know, Marvel, DC, Disney, Warner Brothers, Sony, Activision, pick one. Right, I've done work for all of them. But I've always been a creator advocate. And so it felt like Web3 was, you know, let's get the creators and sort of spread them into a place where they can actually reach people. So we did that project. And I think the first the first chapter of it uh, was called a moment, the first moment of the origin of Bitcoin. Um, it did OK. It sold out. The second one sold out in about three seconds. And the third one, did, it was just crazy. You know, it went nuts. And we were doing a treasure hunt. Um, that that I felt was really interesting um, because, you know, people could kind of come in and be part of the community and they could have some input. And so, you know, wind it all back around after having done it a couple of years ago, I was like, you know, I'm missing it now. I miss the fact that that um, I haven't done, done a treasure hunt since and I love them. I grew up with an absolute built-in love of these treasure hunts. So we contacted some of the OGs over in that project and said, do you want to come over and, and see us through a new one? And, and um, what we did was we took what we learned um, and we adapted it so that we can give people all the things that they want. Now, this is a long-winded uh, answer, David, but the, the idea is basically that I want to do this really cool, reflective, like science, pure science fiction story um, called Quantumverse. And the way that you unravel the Quantumverse and the truth behind it and all this stuff is you actually solve it by going through a treasure hunt. Now, you don't have to be participating in the treasure hunt. You can actually watch everyone else do it. But if you try to solve the treasure hunt, you can win crypto, which is kind of a cool feature of what we did before. And um, we put a certain amount aside. If you solve it, if you get the answer right, you you win a little bit of crypto. Um, then we do a drop every five or six weeks. Um, so you get the collectible cards, you get all of the things. And the reason why we're not necessarily minting right now in the in the traditional sense of the tradition of the last two or three years um, is that we're actually going on sale first. And that, that means something more to me. Um, People, you know, a lot of sort of said, oh, I want to do a comic book and then eventually I'll put it together and I'll, I'll print the comic book and you can get it after a couple of years. I'm like, no, I want to give physical product now. I want people to be able to get. Phys- so when people are um, supporting a project, instead of the promise that they'll get physical product, we come right out of the gate with physical stuff that we send to people so that instead of being disappointed or worried if the, if the project doesn't go, we've already given them something. And I think that we just needed to change some of the business models in this place to, to reflect it, you know? Yeah. And I think from what I've seen in this space, those are the most successful, most well-received companies or projects, I should say. And I slipped and I said companies because oftentimes they start with more of a company mindset mm-hmm. uh, and then they build out a project. So it's like they already know the trajectory and the way that the, they want to approach the market. Whereas 
I think in the initial and nascent stages of the space, well, we're still in the nascent space, but let's go like pre-nascent almost. Uh, it was almost like building the plane while it's in the air. So it's like, we'll launch this project and we kind of have an idea what the roadmap is going to be. And we're going to do a bunch of things that we're going to hope make uh, the collectors happy, but we're not sure exactly how we're going to get there. We're just going to kind of figure it out and make sure that the stars aligned. And I think the space is maturing to a point where a lot of those projects, unfortunately, haven't been able to deliver some on some of those things. And so uh, there's a large segment of people that are like a little bit disenfranchised and have a bad taste of their mouth. And so they're looking at projects with a little bit more critical lie and looking for kind of some of those, you know, initial rewards that you guys are promising kind of right out of the gates there. Yeah, I think it's really important to to look at that, right? Um, I think when it was at its height, the part that immediately began to concern me, like there were parts of it that I loved, right? You know, I say this all the time. I'm an old punk, right? I started with punk rock in Britain. And so the ethos of Web3, that's me, right? I don't like politicians. I don't like any kind of politics. I don't like centralized stuff. I hate it when people speak in absolutes and tell me how it is because every time they say how it is, that's never how it is, right? I don't like that type of regulation that like literally takes people apart. I also don't like exploitation, right? I just want people to be supportive and and sort of like help each other and and build through it and respect your audience and respect community. So, you know, that's like my personal ethos and it fits Meta Studios. We have we have a, a an ethos within the company, you know, you know, such as it is, there's, there's only four or five of us at Meta Studios, um, but we make the project. And I think the important part, as far as I was concerned, was that instead of making these terrible promises that you could see people making buy my PFP project, I know there are 7,000, but buy mine and I'll make you a millionaire overnight. Right. And that was literally overtly what people were tapping into. And they were really tapping into it. I think the audience is partly to blame at times. I think the, the certainly the, 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 the rug pullers are certainly, certainly to blame, but you could see it coming down the pike. And it was very disappointing because I really wanted it to be, um, a, a substantive kind of medium, but now it is right. Like there's, you, you can't do that stuff anymore. And I'm really excited about that because I know that what we're delivering, we got this really cool 15 chapter, like science fiction book. Um, it'll drop a comic, you know, for every chapter. And what you get to do is you come into our, our project and you get to decide which part of of the world you want to be you know are you a philosopher or are you a builder and you sort of pick out your clan to say this is how i i am but we don't want to do a pfp set right like i don't want to try and compete with with mfers which i've got you know or or uh or azuki or something like that i, I don't need to what I love the idea is that people can come in with their Azuki and then they can say, hey, I'm in you know, another path, our project. I'm in Quantumverse and I've chosen to be a philosopher. So they can get a little purple badge and put that in the corner of their their PFP, you know, and make that as part of their avatar. And then and then we can supplement what other projects are doing instead of compete with them. And I think that's a pretty cool way of doing it as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I have to process that because I think oftentimes in the space, since it's so pr prominently driven by PFP projects, it's kind of like a mutual exclusive thing. So it's just mm -hmm. like, you've got your profile, that's your clan and you kind of stick with it. And you might have some other PFP projects that you're kind of, that you've bought into, but um, you know, you've always got your primary and then you've got the other ones that you might've purchased for a variety of different reasons. But I think that approach is a kind of an interesting one, which I haven't seen very often, which is that you can have your PFP. This is just kind of to augment that experience a little bit. So yeah. 
I think that's a very cool take on that. So um, as far as some of the deliverables that um, you talked about earlier, uh, are, are those like physical books that they're receiving, like the chapters, or is that in digital format? How does that work? Yeah, well, as and since you, this is not obviously this is an audio medium if we're on a yeah. podcast, but as you can see, I know I'm holding one of them up for you to since we're on camera. Um, I love high end stuff, right? And so what we did was um, we have like this really beautiful hardcover books that we send out. Um, they cost about $40 each. So when someone comes in at the very beginning of our project, what they do is they, they, they do a similar type of investment. They support the project. And then, you know, we immediately send them like 150 bucks worth of books. Right. So, so they get three copies of fairy quest, they get digital versions, they get unique NFTs, stuff like that. Um, but what we then do, and this follows the model of Bitcoin origins, um, we started, we're just about to turn on our very first um, non-practice puzzle. So we've been we've been giving the community some practice puzzles that just to play with and have fun and sort of re-familiarize themselves. Um, but what we're about to do is we're going to turn the first one on. And the way that the puzzles work is actually something I think should democratize everybody as well. There are some diehard puzzle solvers, right? And they're going to solve the difficult one. But there's also some people that just want to go on a scavenger hunt. So we'll like drop them in the middle of London and say, go find this stuff. And they go find it. And whoever gets it first gets, you know, gets the answer correct first. Right. Um, then there's like a medium puzzle or a you know, more simple puzzle. Then then there's the harder puzzle. And every month you can either come in and, and join in and actually help solve it. If you solve pieces of it, you win some crypto. And it's, it's carefully delineated. So you kind of understand what you're winning and how you're winning it. Right. And then, and then once we get to the point where they've solved the puzzle, um, our artist is Mute. So Mute was um, voted one of the top three uh, artists in NFTs, uh, NFT NYC in 2020. Um, so, you know, he's an amazing artist and he's, his work is brilliant. So we do the collectibles, they have the rarities, they have all the kind of stuff. And it tells the story of the quantum verse to some extent, but it tells the story of human history. And it tells the story of like why we are at where we're at. We're in this weird time, right? We all know it. We're all living through COVID. We're all living through politics. We're all living through this crazy stuff all around the world. And, you know, we're watching climate change kind of change things. And so we're just at the point where we got to work out what we want to do. And this is the story of that. And and as I believe it was Shakespeare who wrote it this way, what is past is prologue, right? You know, what's happened is going to happen again. So we're trying to kind of tell that amazing story across history using this really cool science fiction story that's set a couple of hundred years from now. And people come in, they join a clan, and then they help us tell the story. So for those physical uh, treasure hunts, those are actually like when you mentioned London, is that so is that something that you guys are actually doing? Like there are different yeah. towns that you guys have like a, tre a treasure hunts or how does that work? Yeah. So there are loads of different ways that it works, but basically um, we go all around the world and what you have to do is find out the coordinates where you're supposed to land. If you, if you land at the coordinates first, um, then you will have solved the puzzle. So there are 15 chapters, right? The first five chapters are a saga. So you got one, two, three sagas. Um, and those will be harder to find and they'll be worth more money that we keep to one side. But what's coolest of all is that there is a giant meta puzzle hidden right underneath it um and this goes back to my love of of puzzles and treasure hunts from when i was a kid um only two people know the solution to uh the giant meta puzzle and there are no clues i'm not giving you any <laughs> but it's there and if you just I i'll tell you right now i already know that when people solve it at some point if they solve it they will kick themselves because you will have known how to solve it from the very beginning 
it's right there, right in front of people, but it is an elegant solution. And so it's very difficult to solve. Uh, in some ways, it's difficult. In other ways, it's it's as easy as anything. If you just think about it, you have to think differently. Um, and I love things like that, you know, so you've got this whole treasure hunt aspect. And then in it, you've got a story which is very much an allegory. And the main part that I think is interesting to our audience is that it's very much an allegory or a metaphor for Web3. You know, it's about decentralization. It's about um, a bunch of ships in the future. You know, the AI have ta has taken over. So the AI is a metaphor for, you know, corporate behavior right now and, and the, the sort of 0.1% that own everything. And it takes over. And in the future, there are these 12 ships floating around the solar system. And we've sent code out into the solar system and we're trying to reassemble it and take it down. So it's about working together and it's about seeing yourself and your talent and your ability in this world and then joining in with everyone else to take down the machine. So it seems to me that there's like potentially different groups of people. There could be like a group of people that uh, mint the project and they get the books and they might not be able to actively participate in the way that you just described. There might be a group of people that do buy the books, they participate, but they might not necessarily work with the others and trying to participate and kind of be like a solo player, perhaps mainly for bandwidth reasons, let's say, or some other, you know, reasons that they might. And then there might be like a constituency of people that are working collaboratively to just like solve the problem or puzzle yeah, rather. It's all of the above. Like what the way you just described it was perfect because you know what we always say, like if you solve it by yourself, fantastic. If you solve it with a group, fantastic. What we've learned is that when people start coming in and realizing what the group does, they love to solve it with the group. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, you know, this speaks to the elements of storytelling that, that are important in the space, right? What do you need in the space? You need something you can hang your hat on, which I think is the clans that we have and the sort of, you know, the adherence to the story. What do you want to do? You want it to be in a great community. And I'm I'm really high on the way that our story sets up the community and the community take the reins, right? So when you come into ours, it's 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 not that kind of what what would you call it uh, in a negative way you might say it's like overly woke kind of community instead it's just positive so come in and enjoy and have fun and join in and and work with other people or work by yourself or give ideas or keep them to yourself no matter what you do when when you actually sign on to our project and to the initial sale um we send a hand drawn um uh, set of clues and they only they belong to you and no one else and so that's pretty cool too because you've got your own individual part of it that's like literally your clue and you can share it later or you can keep it to yourself it's all good and does everyone get that or is it just a small or a the group first the first 500 people that come in and buy the the uh, initial sale but once we've done the initial sale we get to the first drop and the first drop is the big thing that's that's really where that will sustain us you know um you know, the idea is basically that when we do the drop, it's got collectible art, it's got mute art in it. There's clues hidden in the cards, but they're also collectible in their own right. There's variants, there's variations, there's all kinds. Of, and and one thing that we love to do, um, we love to give stuff away. We learned this with Bitcoin Origins. We used to have a thing called a Satoshi card. And every time that you collected the Satoshi card, you people would just flip it. I'm like, great. You know, we'll do that right now. We actually have a clue card that people can go flip if they want to, but I wouldn't advise it sometimes. You may want it to have kept that one. But we'll see. Yeah, this project is just, it's got so many interesting elements to it. A lot of it that um, I haven't seen before. And some of it is kind of like things that I've seen, but not implemented in this way, like the concept of having like these sub clans and groups within groups, because that's that sort of a thing that's going on with a lot of these PFP projects is that based on maybe a meta trait, they'll have like a subgroup. Um, and, you know, similar to what you're doing there, there might be, you know, a group of philosophers or scientists or thinkers or 
information curators and you have your different clans there. So I kind of think that's an interesting uh, play there. So I want to ask you a few things because we haven't had a whole lot of uh, people with uh, your background on the podcast before. and just kind of want to hear your take on um, a few things. So I feel like the comic world is one that can definitely benefit from blockchain. I just want to hear what your thoughts are on like how um, what kind of problems can blockchain solve in the comic world? You know, here's here's a thing that's really quite unfortunate right now um, that that the comic industry and the people who work in the mainstream primarily are actually very, very anti NFT and Web3 right now. Um, it's developed a sort of, sort of culturally it's developed a bit of a stigma and this is because of the craziness the wild west of of the pfp projects that sort of came out and you could tell i mean a lot of the comic book people were saying well look, it's a glorified jpeg and sure if you just make it i'm selling you a jpeg and then rugging and not giving you anything then that's what you bought right and that sucks it's awful and so that a lot of projects did that to our audience and now those of us who remain are in there for good now you know i'm working with a bunch of of um of different companies and you know i'm working with a company called cometh in indonesia and we're doing about four or five comic books for them um i'm working on a couple of other prominent projects um and what we're doing is we're helping build the world through comic books so there are two things i think that that blockchain blockchain can do for comics and in a sense comics can do for blockchain the first thing to understand in my opinion is people keep talking about utility right? They're saying, well, what's my utility? What's my utility? What's my utility? How about this? How about you understand the premise that one of the most useful utilities in anything is storytelling? If you don't think that's true, then how come you have a Hulu and a Netflix subscription and HBO Max and that you buy, you love story, right? So we we were glossing over story at the beginning of this business. We were sort of saying, yeah, it's got to be staked over here in, in like wax, you know, they would stake on our planet and then try and make some money back. And and it's like, that, that's not as important as, as actually getting something that has value. Would you, would you want to sit around and wait and hope that your crypto goes up in value and then get disappointed when it goes down and, and live like that, right? Which is exactly what happened. Or would you start living in the moment and want to be entertained by stories and actually pay for something that you get that that you love that entertains you and be part of a community that entertains you as well, right? So that that's that's part why that's what comics can do for for this space. What this space can do and what blockchain can do for comics, understand again, you know, that that if you go in a subscription model, right, then when you give up that subscription model for comics, you don't have anything. In this place, you have provenance, you have ownership. You can say, this is my NFT, it's mine, it belongs to me. I know where it came from, I know where it's been, I know where it's going. And so you can do a number of things with that. Look at the amount of people that have got a character that they now want to build out because they own the rights to their character. It's theirs and they can do what they want to with it. So, you know, it's a new form of storytelling mechanism and it's a new form of ownership and provenance and the thing that we have to do as creators is work out how to actually work with that instead of be afraid of it i don't mind you know i'm going to own the core ip for something but i'm really happy if someone gets a character that, that we've helped them build and they come out and they they're, they're telling their own story too that's what a video game is you're telling your own story
Yeah, 100% agree. To me, it's a little surprising that the comic book industry just hasn't actually latched on to this uh, to the degree I almost expect them to, because I can tell from my personal experience. As a kid, I was not a big comic book collector. I collected a few comic books, but it wasn't to the same degree as like baseball cards back in the day. And I definitely was an avid comic book character fan, as I think everyone is, uh, you know, whether it's Spider-Man, Batman, Hulk, what have you. But I yet I was never really a big comic book collector until fairly recently. I have become a comic book collector, but not in the traditional sense, in the digital sense, because DC Universe has a a, a, a platform. I think it's called like Palm Studios, maybe, and it's similar in the in the way that you described, in the sense that I'm purchasing it because I want the comic book, and it's not with any utility or any staking mechanisms involved or any of that stuff. It's just because I want the comic and I just want to read the comic book. And the thing I find so appealing and the reason why I wasn't really big into collecting comics as a kid um, was I was always worried about like, how do I safeguard and protect these things from like elements and stuff like that. And I knew me being a little, a little poop kid that I wouldn't do a good job of that with baseball cards. It was a little bit easier to do, but um, comics were a little bit harder to protect. So uh, what this medium affords me is to be able to kind of collect those comic books, like, not with any expectation of trying to like make money or any of that other stuff, um, but just to actually like read through the comic and just enjoy it. And if I want, I can actually resell it. Like I actually have custody. It's mine. So I can actually resell it and I can do that very simply with a few keystrokes. And if I want to play and I do a little bit of this too, is there's like they have different rarities also. Um, so if I'm really just interested in reading it and that's it and selling it, that's cool. Um, uh, but if I want to get a more rare one, which I've done for some of the different comic books out there, I've done that also. Um, and I can kind of send the link to my friends and kind of flex a little bit and say, oh, these are like the more rare ones. So I always find it interesting, just like more and more platforms, uh, in the comic world are not latching onto that. And I think DC relatively speaking to like a uh, Marvel or something is kind of a smaller player in that. But I certainly think that when it comes to, you know, collectibles, especially in the comic space, there's just kind of a big untapped uh, opportunity there because using my own narrative, if there wasn't for this technology, I would have never actually like, you know, been onboarded. But since I was already natively like web three, had some interest in comics and this has been afforded to me, it's available, then I kind of got, got into it. So I think there's like that potential total addressable market available out there that just isn't really being tapped to, uh, tapped into. The only reason, I only found this through some very obscure, maybe it was like I was reading something I kind of came across. It wasn't like well publicized to me at least that uh, that's something that DC Comics is doing. So I certainly agree with you. I think at its core, it's got to start with the storytelling. And I also think that there's an opportunity for us to do uh, some really cool things. I love the digital space, right? Um, you know, there's 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 something beautiful about taking a really nice hardbound graphic novel and holding it in your hands, right? That's its own thing. You keep it on a shelf. The way that I publish the books that I make, I always want them to be something that that you could give your grandchildren to give their grandchildren. You know, they'll last for 150 years. You know, there's no reason it can't. I, you know, I bind them and make them that way. But then there's the digital side of it. And I think where I'm so intrigued with what I can do, I love to be innovative, right? And it's probably at my cost. I don't know. Um, it's better to be second than it is to be first sometimes. But I, I'm really excited right now about the possibilities of telling a story that can change. 
So for example, in our project, people are about to start finding out that they will get some assets that they can collect. Um, and we won't really advertise it too much. I suppose, you know, talking about it with you here is, is a little bit of a clue. Um, but you're going to be, I, I want people to be like delighted by what they get and really surprised, right? So when they have something that is sort of sitting there and they didn't realize it did a thing and then it does a thing, it changes, it, it mutates at a certain point and it gives them something else, maybe a clue, maybe just a different rarity. When that happens, that's when people are going to start to get really excited. So I want to break ground there and, and deliver that kind of thing too. What are your thoughts on having like the community tell the story? Do you think that's something that like, because I, I see like pros and cons, I just kind of want to see what your thoughts are on that uh so i've i've worked out a method of doing it in a hybrid fashion right i've just been brought into a project um you know that we've we've had spoken about you know i've come to work with uh, people at only force um and you know one thing about those guys is that they always intended to build comics and to do storytelling right um but th there's a challenge, right? You can't create by committee. What are you going to do with 50 people trying to tell you what the end of a story is going to be? You got 50 different answers, right? You cannot write that way. Um, I'd encourage everyone to go off and create their own content to, to, to build out using their PFP or something. But if you really want a central story, then you can, you can, what you can do though, is you can take their input. You can sort of aggregate it. You can gain their trust and say, I get what you guys all want. But at a certain point, I do this professionally. I've done it for a long time. Let me let me show you some of the stuff. And so, so what's been really vibrant and exciting in that community is going into the core group that are working on one project, coming in, listening to what they've got, looking at what they've got, showing them how I was going to create a book for them, pitching them the book, pitching them the characters, showing them the first script, getting their feedback, allowing them some agency in the creation of it. So they get to work with professional comic book creators, which is cool for them. Um, and they get to have some voice in it. And what we have to do is simply do a thing that I taught here at Kansas State University. It's called um, creative adaptability. Tell me all the parameters. Tell me what I can and can't do. And then we can make something great. So we just get their parameters and we make something with that. Do you see a foresee, uh, for, uh, do you foresee like a, for a scenario where AI can kind of facilitate that process or help with the aggregation process? I'm an interesting voice perhaps in all of this um, because of the way that I think about AI. Um, I may not have the most popular opinion amongst my peers in, in comics, for example. Um, right now, there's a lot of discussion in the comic world again about AI and everyone's really, really upset about it. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you where I come from with it. Um, First of all, why so upset now when you could have gone back, you know, 30 years and Vanilla Ice was sampling Queen's baseline for Under Pressure and making it into a song? If you didn't complain that heartily when someone else was taking someone else's stuff, then don't complain now. I think, you know, it's, it seems unfair, right? That you've, you, you know, now it affects you personally. Now, suddenly it's awful. Well, where were you 30 years ago when that was happening, right? I think this is always going to happen. You're always going to have people taking people's influences and making something of it. And technology is just speeding it up. But what I really think is this, that, you know, chat GPT sounds fantastic, right? I mean, I've taken a look at it, but it can't be me. It cannot. If if I go for a walk with a personification of chat GPT, it's programmed, but I can do what I want to do. And if I decide to turn left right now, then that's when I turn left. And chat GPT can't do that. And, and mid journey can't do that. So, you know, mid journey is a useful tool. 
And I suggest people embrace it, but it's only a tool. It can't do a comic book yet. It doesn't know how to structure things. It can't change its angles. It doesn't have the amazing computer that is a human brain and it doesn't have genius and it doesn't have talent. It just has an aggregation. So use it as a fantastic tool that it is and don't be afraid of it. You know, excel, be, be better than it. And that's, that's what my intention is to do. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's an interesting thing. And it's always one of those things that I'm kind of conflicted, but I have a similar viewpoint where um, at the end of the day, I don't think it's um, something that we should be aversive to. I think it's something that we should embrace and just find its role where it can help support and just kind of, you know, leverage that. And then as the technology evolves, you know, continue to leverage that. But I don't think you can really fight technology. I mean, it's just yeah. too competitive of a space that if you try to fight it, someone else is going to take advantage of it and just, you know, have a significant jump, uh, jump start on you. So um, I'm with you there. One other thing I wanted to ask you about is do you, so there seems to be, and I could be wrong on this because I'm not um, a subject matter expert, but um, just kind of looking at it from the outside, it seems like there's a few dominant publishing houses when you think about comics. And I don't know if publishing houses is like the right word, but just like, you know, the names that we talked about earlier, like Marvel and um, DC Comics. Do you think like with uh, Web3, do you see a possibility where you could see more of these publishing houses emerging like independent ones um, and more democratization there? Or do you think that it's probably a non-issue like Web2 Web didn't really, I mean, Web2 helped with that a little bit, but it didn't make a significant impact and you don't really think Web3 will or just kind of want to see what your thoughts are around that. Well, I, you know, part of me would say, I hope not, right? I hope that this isn't just the next extension of corporate oversight and influence, you know? That's the whole point of this is to allow people to express themselves, allow people to feel that sense of individuality. You, you probably can tell from some of the things I've said, you know, I'm a big patron and a big uh, uh, enthusiast of people's individuality. Um, you know, I have, I have a really interesting thing. I take my son to school every morning and he's 17 years old now and he's, he's really developing his own mind Um but he's he's very radical in some of his thoughts about politics, you know, he's sort of radically sort of left wing about it. And I often say to him, look, man, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but you you you're you don't realize that you're only seeing things in one way now. You know, you're not actually open minded, you're becoming closed minded. And the idea of of what will really make this work is when we start seeing each other, we all see each other, right? Because we, to some extent, as humans and people, we are at war with bullshit. Sorry, I don't know if I can swear on this, so hopefully you can be <laughs> right. But um, we're at war with it, right? That the you know the human brain's connection to to disinformation is is quite profound, and the use of people's cognitive biases against them is 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 pre um, historically been used in politics, for example. And we're watching it happen in just a motorized fashion at this point. AI has already taken over moving people, um, you know, aggregating ideas and looking at algorithms and making and sending people disinformation in their feeds. And so I believe in the innate connection and goodness of people, and I believe that they will connect to each other. But it's very hard to climb out of the manipulation of your biases. So what I like to do with my content, what I like to do with the communities I'm in, and what I think Web3 can really, really do, if it stays the course, it can allow anybody to be their own like sh diamond shell in, in, this, in this 
multiverse, you know, in this uh, in this metaverse, you can be yourself. You can own your own identity. You can give permission when someone uses it and you can not give permission to anyone that doesn't deserve it. We should be aiming towards those kind of things. And I think that that's what we're going to be doing. But right now we are really at the mercy. And, and, and I want to kind of illustrate that with maybe one example, because I was just actually talking to my son on the way to school about this. If, if you have 100 senators in America, and again, this is not really an anti-politics screed, it's just the truth. If you have 100 senators and they have a performance against the, the, the average of the stock market, and every single one of those 100 people vastly outperforms the performance of the stock market, and it happens right in front of you, and you don't do anything about it because you think you can't do anything about it, then where where are we as a society? If we know that the corruption you know, rots from the head downwards, and we can see it, it's very frustrating. Now here we are in Web3, we can do something about that, because we can basically stick a middle finger up at those people and say, I'm going to be over here doing my thing that belongs to me. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to be individual, I'm going to, I'm going to be part of a decentralized kind of world. And I'm not going to have you tell me how it is, because that's not how it is for me. And that's the beauty of this space. And I think we're going down that road if we're lucky. And if we're unlucky, the giant corporations and political oversight will take over this space and it won't be what it's intended to be. Do you think because of that threat of Web3, that's why you're seeing like or we're seeing a lot of resistance by government and it's not necessarily like a political party thing. It's just kind of an overarching thing and by corporations just because they can foresee that threat or what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, so that speaks to the other part of my conversation with my kid because he's really into anarchy, right? Remember, I'm an old punk, so I'm sort of like, yeah, I, I get it, but let's let's talk about that for a second. You know, total anarchy means that who who builds your road outside, right? No one builds your roads or does your sewer system because no one's in charge, right? It's it's holding people accountable, right? So it it has the opportunity to do this, right? Um, but we're not doing it yet, and I think that we're 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 struggle we're struggling to find the place. I think some regulation and oversight makes sense for this space because you can't have what happened two years ago. Everybody just got separated from their wallets by opportunists and that's not fair and we shouldn't allow that to happen. So we've got to find some way to actually bring reality into this and say, if you just make it the wild west, someone's gonna shoot you when they because they can, right? So the greediest people will make all of the money and they'll walk away with everything and that's no good. We don't want that, no one wants that. But at the same time, you don't want regulation over it um, to the point where it's not oversight and working for people. How do we do this? I don't know. I'm just part of it, right? I'm trying my best. But um, I think that we can't allow it to be just the Wild West like it was a couple of years ago. Because if we do, then everybody's going to be frustrated, disappointed, and they'll discard it really quickly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's my uh, position on it, too, is uh, I, I love the technology. There's a lot of good things that it could do. But um undoubtedly there just has to be some degree of regulation because to your point you just can't have total anarchy um just like you do in the real world you wouldn't want that either like the wild wild west i think is a great analogy there so you want something but do you want you know everyone to have like you know cameras on over their heads if you want to go on the opposite extreme of the wild wild uh, wild wild west and a big brother you know overlooking you to make sure that you're not doing anything that will upset the government so you know you got to find that perfect medium which is uh, you have you know your freedoms and your uh freedom to p pursue your passions and just live you know comfortably but in the same respect i guess like just you know 
doing so in a way that you don't cause externalities which impact other people to kind of look at it more broadly so yeah the, the, i was gonna say this is this is where i think we need to really take a look uh, first of all we need to own it ourselves like if it messes up it's our fault right don't look at externally look at ourselves and one of the ways in which i look at it is uh, at the height of the crypto sort of boom a couple of years ago when it was really going crazy you know i sat back for a second and went man this looks like the this looks like wall street at its worst at times um this is pump and dump to the extreme people would come in they've got a lot of money they pump into pick a nameless you know you know frog coin right so i just made that up so they get frog coin and they all get together 10 of them and they say pump it all in the frog coin right now they pump it in other people pump it in they sell off their giant stake of frog coin and they've taken everybody's money right that is not the ethos of this space. And so we need to hold those people accountable and we need to hold ourselves accountable primarily and make sure that we can help improve this space and never get caught by the people behind Frogcoin. You know, it needs to stop. Yeah, and so to some degree you could argue the same thing with NFTs. Now you had kind of the same phenomenon going on, but just with JPEGs involved and people, you know, pumping yeah. and dumping them too and making yep. out with uh, like bandits and, you know, obviously a huge population of people being adversely affected to that so so you should ask yourself the question what do i get out of my project which is i think you know that that leads us around in full circle to where we're going with ours and i see another a few other people going with theirs right they're trying to provide content they're trying to say this is what we give you instead of saying well you got a glorified jpeg and let's go you know i mean if i hear let's go or on fire or any of that kind of vernacular when there's nothing there i'm gonna lose it because what you should ask of your project is, is it giving me the stuff that I'm paying for? That seems only fair. Yeah, and I think that's where we've come to your point of full circle. I think that's even where the space is kind of coming full circle too, is that especially with uh, what's happened over the past two years since like 2021, um, maybe going back a little farther than that, is that people do not want that. Am it used to be that the space would reward ambiguity. Um, and that was like kind of a good thing because they would try to like over, uh, over, uh, under promise over deliver and oftentimes they fail, fail to meet that but people thought that that would be the case just because there are a few notable exceptions to that that were able to do that and people think that that's going to be the norm because those were the ones that made the mo most noise but i think there have been enough problematic projects in the space and then also rugs unfortunately where especially in 2023 i think people are going to be looking at projects a lot more critically and just kind of going back to uh utility and frankly what you know this technology be, uh, should be used for is just actually solving problems and um as opposed to just trying to cash grab and monetarily benefit from it in a very you know uh, uh, ambiguous ambiguous and vague roadmap kind of a way and um, hoping that everything kind of just figures it out and try to get your collectors to just be with you on the ride as long as possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's what our project is set up. Um, I I'm not a big self-promoter or shiller, but I think it's fair to say, you know, at least the name of our project. Um, our project is called Another Path. Um, and the idea being that I think we're at a place where, you know, we've seen the wrong path, right? We just witnessed it. We've seen it across history. And so now the question is, can we take another path? So the the underlying kind of um, uh, treasure hunts are called another path and you solve them and you do the thing. But the, the science fiction story is called Quantumverse. So if anyone wants to find us, find us at another path on Discord. Um, find us at another path 42 on Twitter. Um, why 42? Well, you'll find out it's, it's a number that means quite a lot to us in our story.
Um, let's put it this way. If you get mint number 42, you're probably quite lucky. And it's not related to the rock group level 42 or anything, is it? <laughs> no, it's much more related to um, to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, actually. Uh, okay. All right. Very cool. So we'll include those links in the show notes. Listen, Paul, loved having you on the podcast. It was an awesome conversation. Learned a ton from you. Um, loved your perspective and your wisdom. And I'm really excited about your project. And I could tell our listeners, although they won't be able to get access to uh, the camera content that we have, the recorded camera content, uh, the book does look, I'll put my reputation on that. The book that Paul showed me does look amazing. It's very well put together, high quality art. So really excited to look forward to uh, your project there, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on, David. It's, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Wow. Paul was an awesome guest. He's got a tremendous and celebrated resume in the comic book space, and it was really an honor having him on the show. What's unique about Paul is he really understands Web3 and how the comic industry can benefit from Web3 and vice versa. We had a great chat after we were done recording. I can tell you guys, he's the real deal, and I'm excited about what he's doing with Another Path. So stay tuned. Anyways... It's everyone's favorite moment on the podcast, the shout out. So for those of you that don't know, what we do each week is we make the podcast available uh, uh, available as a free mint. First and foremost, we do this so we can recognize, track, and reward our loyal listeners. If you're listening, if you're supporting, you should get something for that, in my opinion. And that's what Web3 is about. So we're using blockchain technology to just do exactly that. And I can say with 100%, that this is something that is going to be totally normal in the future. It's going to be something that's expected. And that's the second reason why I'm doing this is that we're really early in this game. And without getting too technical, what this podcast is doing, the way that we're executing and implementing the, the minting process, the digital collectible, the NFT will outlive you. So these episodes, everything that's being recorded, being stored in a decentralized manner, uh, these are historical. This is going to be vintage stuff the same way that there's vintage, you know, video games out there, vintage consoles, vintage vinyls, you know, baseball cards, stamps, coins, what have you. This is going to also be a vintage digital collectible. And I want my listeners to be able to benefit from some of the upside on that. So anyway, if you are interested in minting, again, it is a free mint. You just have to pay the gas. Check the show notes if you want the link. Uh, minting does support the show. And it's something that I will deeply appreciate, and I never forget my mentors. <laughs> I have them practically memorized, so that's uh, something very special to me. So anyways, let's get to it. Uh, the first up here is SJS Inc., a fellow dead fella, awesome person, and a supporter from day one. Really privileged to have you as a holder, my friend, and a listener. Thank you for minting. DV Dan. So I spent most of my time at NFT NYC with DV Dan. And it turns out, as far as his name goes, yes, it is DV Dan, and I've been saying it wrong the whole time, but he did, he did clarify for me that originally it was intended to be DVD Dan, but it evolved into DV Dan. So I guess I wasn't totally off, and that made me feel a little bit better, but uh, rest assured, I'm going to say it properly now, DV Dan. So... All jokes aside, though, uh, Dan's a true gentleman in every sense of the word. I mean, he's just a really good human being who gets joy out of seeing other people happy. At NFT NYC, he sent out a tweet to artists who were being showcased that he'd be happy to take pics of their work, and he tweeted that out. Um, and he spent hours doing this. He got so many responses, and 
he had no ulterior motives. I mean, he was not trying to engagement farm. He, he, he just legit wanted to connect the artist closer to the scene. And he took it super seriously, guys. Um, he spent hours doing this just for the simple fact that it would make people happy. It put a smile on people's faces. So I'm telling you, folks, Dan's one of the good ones out there. So, so thankful to spend almost the entire week with you, um, getting to know you better. And I can't wait to wait to hang out with you again. Um, man, it was an awesome experience and you really enriched it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being you. And thank you for minting as always. Inceptionally, just an awesome dude. And I got to see him a bit at NFT NYC and enjoy a meal with them. You all know him. He was a guest on the show. Um, he's super smart, but also super funny with a zinger. So always has something ready in his back pocket to fire at you. Um, man, you're awesome. Really appreciate you coming down, uh, back to the New York Metro area and seeing you again. So thank you for minting charming bastard, AKA the rev, um, a name that's come up before, you know, <laughs> I've mentioned it, you know, we go so far back that as I think about it, I actually don't think even web two existed back then. Uh, maybe it did, but it just barely started. I don't want to give a year because believe me, folks, we've known each other that long. I mean, we've known each other a long, long, long time. So yeah, I'm not sure if even forget web three. I, I, I don't even know if web two existed. If it did, it was super new back then. It was just starting. And I don't think web two was even like a buzzword back then. So, um, one thing I did want to say is he does have a free mint that he drops every month. Um, so check out his Twitter account, ape3809. Uh, these are photography-based mints, uh, photography-based art. So it's a free mint again. He's not doing it for, you know, similar to what I do. He's not doing it for cash, ga uh, cash grab reasons or anything. He's just kind of exploring the space. Uh, NFTs are not his day job. He has a day job. But on the side, he enjoys photography. And he has some amazing photography that he just wants to share with us in the community. So it's a free mint. And if you collect the NFTs that he drops every single month, he, so it's going to be 12 different ones, I believe. Uh, hold me hold me honest there, uh, Rev, if I'm wrong, wrong on that. But um, it will be 12 different ones. And if you collect all 12, you'll be eligible for a one-of-one. One. I don't know of anyone else in the space doing something like that to uh, with the quality of art that uh, and photography that the Rev has. So um, guys, go out there. If, if it, And the year's just new, so we're only in April. Mint this one. Maybe go back and check the other, other tokens out there and put some Weath offers for one, two, and three. And you'll have your full set so far and just stay on top of it. Give them a follow. Mint uh, for a uh, mint, uh, excuse me, mint for May, mint for June, mint for July. Before you know it, you'll get that one of one. So, anyways, uh, just amazing participant in the space. Um, so, Rev, I always have to pause because I almost call you by your real life name every time. Rev slash charming bastard, appreciate you, man. Thank you for minting. Um, next up is baloney, and that's not baloney like the meat. Um, it's, I might be pronouncing this wrong, but it's B-E-L-L-O-N-I-A, a first time minter. Welcome aboard. Happy to have you. Looking forward to getting to know you better. Thank you for minting. Deco Life, Andre Deco Life, a popular guest from last season, a talented artist and a very prolific collector. The dude's got a lot of art. Um, he's really made a, a name for himself, uh, very forward thinking when you talk to him, he's been minting each episode and you know what, 
I can say he gets it. He understands the long-term vision. I think that speaks volumes about him as a person and my personal conviction and trust and belief in him as an artist because in my conversations, even before I had my podcast, it was very clear that he's not just looking at like what's right in front of him. He's looking, you know, as far as like, you know, uh, a one-year timeline, a three-year timeline, five-year timeline, 10-year timeline, a 30-year timeline, things after our timelines, you know, when we're uh, going to be deceased, which is going to happen to every single one of us. Um, so he gets it. He's an amazing artist. Go out and check out his uh, art. I believe his Twitter handle off the top of my head is DecoLife1. Um, he's great. I was an early collector of his, uh, so very talented street artist. So thank you for minting. Uh, next up, another amazing artist, Emil MTO. Um, Emil has been pretty open about some of the bumps in the road that he's had in his life, but he's always just like so positive. You wouldn't even know about those bumps and his art's really cool, vibrant colors, which I love when you see it, it just makes you feel good. He did have his art showcase at NFT NYC and I was privileged enough to see it live. He's a great artist. Definitely check him out. Uh, his Twitter handle, again, I'm going off the top of my head. I think it's just actually at Emil MTO. So E-M-I-L-M-T-O. Um, Emil, thanks for being you. You're awesome. Thank you for minting. Mako, uh, a new minter. Welcome aboard. Uh, looked at your wallet. Looks like you have several amazing full set on-chain monkeys. So I know you're from the community. Rise, my friend, and I appreciate you minting. And last but not least is Travi. Travi from Fired Up on the Blockchain. Travi is one of those dudes with a huge heart. Everyone who is someone in Web3 knows him. Everyone who is someone in Web3 loves him. On his show, and I'm a loyal listener myself, he talks a lot about helpers, people that you can go to in the Web3 space if you have a question or just kind of like don't get something. Um, these are people who like genuinely want to help you or aren't trying to take advantage of you or trying to position themselves better, or they just genuinely get satisfaction out of helping you. And, you know, he talks a lot about that in his podcast. And I want to say on my podcast that Travi is one of those helpers. So I'd absolutely recommend and uh, subscribing to his podcast. Give it a listen again. It's uh, fired up on the blockchain with Travi. Um, give it a listen. If you like it, give it a five-star review. Definitely helps the algorithm. And we are definitely going to have Travi on the podcast. Uh, you know, his name comes up too often for us not to have him, I guess. I mean, we were going to plan him. We were planning to have him anyway. So stay tuned on that. Looking forward to his appearance once we get that planned out. And those are the mentors that I was able to identify. So, um, even if you weren't able to mint as always, um, I understand, and I really just do appreciate your support. Uh, it means the world to me, so um, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you are able to mint, keep it up. Um, have some cool rewards coming down, so I want to give you guys something to look forward to, especially, I got to contain myself to not talk about this, but I have a huge surprise at the very end of the season, which is going to be in uh, late June. Uh, next season kicks off in uh, early July, so it's just around the corner. Uh, but I have an amazing, I mean, I, I thought of it, so I guess I'm biased, but I really think that it is an amazing uh, reward that will blow people's minds. Uh, if I told you, I think you guys would think I'm BSing. Uh, so I'd rather actually go out and do it and then come back and show you. But um, it's something I'm really forward to uh, surprising you guys with, and hopefully you guys enjoy it. So 
Anyways, that's that. Until next time. And that concludes this show. I hope you enjoyed listening. And if you enjoy the podcast, please, please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. It helps boost the podcast and hopefully the value of the podcast NFT if you decide to mint. Thank you, and until next time. Bye.